Good afternoon. You're watching Stockwatch this week with me, Zinati Guma. Today we bring you a review of the week's stock performances and we get to answer all your stock-related questions. And joining me with his insights today is Shiloh Capital's Tamsang Laneta. Thanks so much for your time, Tamsang What have you made of the markets this week, particularly their response to uh, the Feds uh, and also ECB and BOE's interest rates decisions and commentary going forward on monetary policy? I think the markets are now starting to price risk in appropriately. So they're starting to reinvest in areas they feel or asset managers feel they're going to get some benefit. Um, if you look at all the indices are up based on uh, reinvestment matrix. Um, there's also some uh, equities that we think are a bit overvalued based on the buoyancy of the market. But uh, all in all, I think the, the, the ability to to, to see a policy certainty by the central banks is giving uh, asset managers scope to invest uh, as they can see fit based on their forecasts. But is there policy certainty? Because, I mean, I, I don't know. Do you think that the markets are in line with actually what the central banks are saying? You talk about the markets being buoyant, but at the same time, uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell saying that he doesn't see cuts in the second part of this year as markets had anticipated. Are markets aligning yeah. with the Fed? Yes, I think uh, they are pricing in credit. So cost of capital, uh, businesses with very large um, debts and very large um, interest payments are going to suffer. Uh, but generally speaking, once you understand what the Fed is going to do going forward, you know that they're not going to cut. You know that uh, if interest rate change, they're going to change upward. So you revise your valuations to factor in uh, those elements and then you invest based on those scenarios. Ah, okay. So not particularly investing for good news, but investing for certainty. Mm. All right. Well, let's get into some of the questions that we've had for today. There's a question on the NAMPAC rights issue. So given the ongoing negotiations between lenders and shareholders of NAMPAC, what is the likely range of the amount to be raised in the forthcoming rights issue. Of course, NAMPAC uh, came out with a trading update sometime during the week, and they also gave us an update on uh, the developments uh, in terms of the uh, decisions on the rights issue. So now they're proposing, um, instead of 2 billion rand, they're proposing to raise 1.5 billion rand from uh, shareholders. Um, there's that extraordinary general meeting that we are waiting for on the 8th of March. And I mean, judging, judging from the share price when uh, NAMPAC revised down that rights issue, it seemed that investors were still not satisfied with the $1.5 So could we maybe start to see some more negotiations and maybe see a further reduction in that rights issue proposal by the 8th of March? Yeah, it's going to be difficult to get that amount of money from shareholders. Uh, the dilutions are quite significant. Um, so the view would be that uh, the company has to take other extraordinary measures to resolve their situation. Um, I think uh, the level of dilution will be the major concern uh, amongst shareholders at that level of, of rights issue. Um, and as well, I think the forward-looking uh, elements of the business, where is the growth going to come from? How are they going to maintain those revenues to be able to uh, repay whatever they owe, manage suppliers, and give shareholders a return, I think is going to be the key questions to answer. So if I'm going to take that level of dilution, there needs to be a forward-looking forward story that's greater than the one we're currently seeing. What would you like to see in terms of, of that, that growth and in terms of them being 
a leaner, meaner machine? Yeah, so you can only control what you can control, and that's around cost. So how they manage their costs, how they cut them down, uh, how they manage their interests and their repayments, and how they negotiate, how they roll over any debt, and how, on top of that, how they manage their suppliers, the inputs, and as a manufacturer of of packages, they still face a big risk around ESCOM and the ability to be productive efficiently. So there's a lot of headwinds they're facing, uh, but what they can control is the pot side. And if they get that down uh, significantly, I think they can look at a way to manage um, the future of the revenues. Yeah. Do you think Nampak's turnaround of a slimmer company with more sustainable cash flows is maybe taking longer than what investors actually have the patience for? Yeah, I think also we we, we on the JC have a lot of have had a lot of delistings, as well as as having trouble finding quality companies that will give you growth per se. So I think Nanpak will will make it through on those on those metrics. But in general, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done um, to get the business healthy again, and that work needs to be precise, needs to be accurate and the management needs to be very 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 strong yeah indeed there's a lot of work that needs to be done but judging from some of the analysts that i talked to um it seems that there are still some that are quite optimistic on the longer term prospects of the business if they can just get that turnaround uh to finally work for them and uh, to be uh, on a sustainable level so, yeah, some people really saying that as long as you just understand that there is inherent risk uh, within the business, but that at <clears> some <throat> point, at some point, something has to give. Uh, there <laughs> is a question on uh, Marion Roberts. Uh, there's still hope for Marion Roberts, another company that has been in the doldrums for the last while. Yeah, I think Marion Roberts, my, my reason, they missed the boat when they could have been taken over by the German company. I think uh, you need you need a big brother of that nature if you're in construction, especially when the world is not building. Um, I think uh, their their fundamental problem is the project side of things. Uh, who's building what and when will they get more work? So what's the size of the book and how will they get work? And in this environment where there's no expansionary fiscal policy, there's no spending on infrastructure projects as they should be, um, it's going to be very difficult for them to continue to grow. Um, so I, I foresee a scenario in which uh, they end up getting bought out over time. Uh, it may not happen within the next 12 or 18 months, but eventually they're going to become attractive again for, for a buyout partner. Yeah. Um, yeah, quite interesting that now uh, you're saying that uh, there may be a target um, for a bargain buyout considering that uh, years ago there was that offer that management actually rejected do you think their main problem was expanding outside of south africa yeah it's a costly exercise so so going outside of 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 your environment is a costly exercise um, when you have home ground advantage there's certain risks you can manage because you know them once you move to other other markets outside of of your home country um, it gets very complicated. There are things that you, you have to learn. Um, and South African firms have a history of losing their shirts when they leave our shores. So I think you need you need a substantial uh, bigger brother to be able to do those kind of activities. Uh, Standard Bank has, has, has a Chinese bigger brother, and I think uh, Marion Roberts will also need someone of that sort. 
that will give them the balance sheet to be able to go through the cash burns required to acquire projects, to build them, to hedge currency risks in different environments and be profitable. So I think uh, trying to do it off just the South African balance sheet is going to be very difficult. Um, hunting for projects in other regions is hard work. The margins may not necessarily be as great as they are building here. The security required, the capital required, and getting equipment and the manpower down to that area where there's opportunity is a hard is a hard ask. So I think you need you need the balance sheet. You need the big brother to enable you to go after these more riskier but more lucrative environments for construction. Yeah, a very humble pull that management is having to swallow right now. Um, what about Calgro? Um, I, I wasn't sure because the question says, is there still hope for uh, Calgro? And I mean, the last time I looked at Calgro's results, they were actually all right. Uh, um, is there something that's worrying you about Calgro uh, on any level? I know, of course, uh, with uh, the Memorial Parks unit, that really thrived during COVID and there has been a slowdown in profits uh, from the normalization of COVID. What, what are your thoughts, Tammy? Um, my view is Bowen has taken their lunch. Um, Bowen has really targeted uh, the areas in which they used to target, especially the lower LSMs for real estate. And I think Bowen has been quite aggressive uh, for, uh, by going after multiple tiers of, of the economy in terms of providing viable real estate and also investment opportunities for those who are wanting to buy into real estate. So I think they're going to have to do a very a very deep dive into how they compete uh, for a market where Bowen is really, really aggressive. Uh, they've built in multiple areas, multiple LSMs, and they're going after um, the, 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 the South African market quite aggressively. So I think uh, Calgro is facing some significant headwinds just on the credit side of things, people being able to afford uh, to borrow, to buy real estate, and the development side of things. Uh, Bowen went out a couple of years ago, raised the capital, they've built and constructed, they've developed their assets and are, are, are taking their lunch. Um, I think it's just that real estate in general has value, but on the development end, it's very difficult to compete with people who have their balance sheet and who have done the work of building and servicing the market. Um, so our view is Calgary is, although they're going to have good results, I think a large part of their lunch has been taken by Bowen. Uh, all right. Uh, well, let's get to uh, more uh, questions. Um, going into resources. Exar resources. The share price from 1 December 2022 was 220. And it was basically flat at the end of January 2023. Please, please correct me if I'm wrong, but this business is 96% coal and is impacted by the exact same factors as Tungela coal. Coal price, exchange rate, and coal production and logistics to the export market. It's also expensive at a P.E. ratio of 4 compared to Tungela, which is under a P.E. of 2. So why uh, has Tungela dropped from 3.20 on 1st December 2022 to 2.30 after two months to the end of January? Unless I'm wrong, the only difference in my mind is the lifespan of the mines. I think Tungela has a lifespan of 10 years and Exara has longer than 20 years. I'm just trying to understand why Tungela appears to be having so much downside risk, whereas Exara appears to, for some reason, be insulated from the risk, even though these businesses are somewhat identical. 
am I missing something? Um, yes, uh, Exaro does some iron as well. So uh, they have a level of diversification that uh, Tunyela doesn't have. Uh, Exaro has been in the game longer in terms of uh, coal production. And also, uh, as, as rightly you mentioned, life of mine. I think Tungela holds the risk of having uh, a single commodity. Um, so any price movement will affect the, the share price because you, you, can, for, you can forecast uh, their prospective revenues based on the views of the rand, the views of demand and their production ability. So uh, if, you, if you're looking for a pure coal play, uh, Tungela is a better stock. Uh, if you're looking for diversification, um, Exaro has some diversification. Uh, China is also beginning to pick up. So there's a lot of iron ore that's going to be moving that direction. Um, so, so I think uh, Exaro will have a, a difference in that. Um, Tungela basically is selling one product and they add risk uh, to any form of market volatility. Um, so in, in that analysis, if you had to choose between the two, as a, as a portfolio manager, uh, you would look at you'd look at Exaro first, uh, simply on the basis of diversification, life of mine, and ability to export both iron ore and coal. Ah, all right. So thank you for that analysis, Tammy. Uh, let's go into food uh, restaurants. Is famous brands a hold, sell, or buy? How will load shedding affect their restaurants? Famous brands has actually gone through quite a. Uh, Quite a remarkable recovery um, from the times of COVID. Uh, so, but of course, still lots of headwinds, constrained consumer, um, load shedding as well. So, hold by yourself. Um, I'll say hold. Um, um, uh, they, they've got two very good brands in Wimpy and Mug and Bean, um, which which are both quite 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 significant in the market. Um, however. The downside about the food industry is that they have supply side inflation. So things like electricity, uh, rentals, because the franchisors have to rent out from malls and so on and so forth. So the cost of rentals, the cost of electricity, the cost of gas, the cost of their supplies, food, um, is where it's going to really um, begin to hurt. If they can manage that cost um, and the friend and famous brands assists the franchisor, then it will do well. But if famous brands can't can't negotiate good pricing for the franchisor, there's going to be um, some significant headwinds. Uh, remember, their primary income is from uh, charging uh, the fees, the franchise fees, and then managing the supply side into the franchises. So the cost element of of the franchises is really where uh, the concern would be. Um, the procurement side, uh, because a large part of the headwinds they face are supply side inflation, as well as energy and crisis, as well as uh, the rental side of the malls. Um, so if they manage that well and negotiate well on behalf of their franchisors, then it's set to go well. Ah, all right. Uh, let's get into uh, tech. Investors have been uncomfortable with Mark Zuckerberg's uh, capital-absorbing bet on the metaverse. From this week's jump in the share price, are investors finally buying into the vision? Yeah, uh, I think, yes, when was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, they had a share price jump of about 20%. Um, still a decline in revenue, but I think it was just uh, over uh, analyst uh, estimates. They're also embarking on a share buyback. Um, 
So what's your confidence on Meta? I think Fang stocks in general are going to do well. I think uh, the revaluation was too steep. Uh, they, they took a very big beating over the last 12 months, largely because of the interest rate revaluations. Um, but now there's a more steady and more predictable policy outcome. Um, the revaluations are more steady. The, the views of revenues are more steady. I think they're going to they're gonna do well over the, over the next sort of 12 months. Um, revenue may decline, definitely, but the one thing that's within their control is cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can manage the number of engineers, the number of people who work in their firms. They're developing software. Once it's developed, it can continue to work forever. Microsoft is an example with Windows. They developed it a while ago, but it still keeps working and earning for them. So I think they've got a great handle on the cost side. So they've got a great opportunity for margin. Um, the prospective valuations are now going to be readjusted given the policy certainty provided by the central banks. And I think the FANG stocks in general are going to do well this year. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about another thing that you think is going to do well. Let's go to your stock pick for today, Tammy. Uh, still, I'm still uh, high on China, so pin duo duo. I think uh, that stock is going to do well going forward. I think they, they manage, they, they've managed themselves well, especially the volatility. So I think um, pin duo duo is going to do well. Ah, all right. So thank you very much for your time and for your analysis today, Tammy. That was Tamsang Oneta from Shiloh Capital.